0: You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. And what's it like to talk to an LSU Tiger? We're going to find out today with one of my favorite people ever to talk sports with, Give it up for Miss Chrissy Freud. And before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media. At Mr. Cole Thompson, I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you do to make this a more quality-sounding podcast, Monday through Friday, give me a follow, and I will make sure that I add it into the repertoire. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man-related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day, every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Like I said, I love talking sports with this person because she is so knowledgeable, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. We're going to be talking a lot about that today. Since there is a great quarterback down in College Station, or is he? We'll find out more from her. Ladies and gentlemen, give her a follow at Chrissy Freud. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Miss Chrissy Freud. Chrissy, what's going on?
1: Uh, a lot, honestly. It's been a very busy week, um, finals week coming up over here at LSU. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff leading up to that, and really not even – through all of it. So I'm excited for the semester to end within the next couple of weeks. And then of course, uh, covering an NFL team, covering a college team, then covering quarterbacks across the country. it stays pretty busy.
0: <laughs> she is one of the best when it comes to breaking down quarterbacks. And trust me, when I say her word is good, her word is good. She studies them like crazy. Now, Chrissy last year, LSU hoisted the national trophy. You look at what they lost. And I think a lot of people are putting so much pressure on the season because of they don't really understand how much they lost last year. You know, you lose both the coordinators. You lose your quarterback, who's now is in the NFL. You lose your running back. You lose one of your best receivers. And you also have your other receiver opt out. Just when you look at this season, just what's the overall feel of 2020 for the LSU Tigers?
1: Um, I think it's something of depletion, to be quite honest. I think the team and its members of all the guys playing there will probably tell you something different. I think that they're – uh, trying to keep morale up they're trying to keep things going and I think that um, really even at this point in the season that perhaps they're they're just still starting to figure out uh, who they actually are and what they can do I mean in the beginning you went through um, Bo Pelini and his new defensive scheme and it seemed that a lot of the guys maybe just at least the way that it looked on the outside to me like they were maybe having trouble picking it up or like maybe guys weren't totally even really understanding what was going on because there were a lot of missed assignments on defense There was a lot of stuff Uh, going on on defense that was just unacceptable. And I think that that was exposed particularly in the first game of the season. Um, LSU had no answer for the air raid offense whatsoever. I I think Derek Singley Jr. being out kind of had something to do with that. But this is a team that's supposed to be known as DBU, but DBU so far. This is I, – I was talking to Mike Leach about this not horribly long ago. I mean, there's, there's some young teams in the SEC. Uh, LSU is probably one of the youngest teams in the SEC that there is right now, and they lost absolutely everything. I mean, turnover in coaches from your defensive coordinator to a bunch of analysts that were around. All of your top players are gone, and then the top players that still did remain Pretty much every single one of those opted it out. So you're left with all of these guys that, quite frankly, are newcomers or they're inexperienced. And then you have to implement all these new things with uh, new people as analysts and new people on your sideline. So this is, I mean, it's LSU, but the only thing that's the same is the uniforms. So I, I think that this is kind of a transitioning period of What, what a lot of NFL people would call a rebuilding year. So I I think that that's kind of what this has been. I didn't have high hopes for LSU this year, and I I think that it's kind of just shown that way to this point. I mean,
0: outside of Derek Stingley and Terrace Marshall, you really don't have a solidified star on this team to really build around. And I think that's what really gets people kind of more involved with this next question, and it's talking about Ed Orgeron. I mean, I saw a report earlier this week saying that he was on the hot seat. And, And, you know, I look at that and I think of Gene Chizik and what happened to him at Auburn in 2010. You know, he won the national title. He got set up for a great success with Cam Newton and then two straight years of, of pure mediocrity in the planes led to his final, you know, his final straw with the team. They went back to, uh, to Gus Malzahn. He's now still with its program. I mean, is, is there a, a real shot that if their struggle next year, that Orgeron is completely out. He is on the hot seat. This is all going to be – you have next year to fix this, and if not, we're immediately moving on for you for a younger name.
1: Um, I mean, I, I think that the whole Ogeron being on the hot seat thing is more of a uh, national media thing, not maybe, maybe not even national media, just, just particular people that like to say things like that. I mean, on, from the outside looking in, you see the, the overall record and the way that this team has struggled really in just about every phase of the game this year but you also have to take into consideration the massive turnover like I said this is a completely different team I don't think they could have experienced turnover um, at a much larger rate than they did and on top of that you have all the COVID stuff that went on and just how wacky of a season this has been in general I mean we're seeing a lot of teams that were really not well known that were more underdog just across the country emerge into more of a a power they look more dominant they did before and then there's this phenomenon also of some of these dominant teams that are not looking like themselves whatsoever. So I, I think just my personal opinion that the people in charge need to consider that and kind of just not necessarily write this year off, but I don't think really it, there, there are some cases across, uh, across the nation with other teams that I might make the decision to fire the head coach. But as far as LSU goes, I, I don't think that there are other circumstances here to fire at Ogeron, and I I think that the problems lie in areas that are outside of him in particular. So, no, I I wouldn't necessarily say that he's in the hot seat, and if the decision, for whatever reason down the line, were to be made to fire him after this season, I would think that it's the wrong answer.
0: I I 100% agree. I don't think that there's any reason to let go of Orgeron this soon, especially for what he's done. And the biggest thing is you look at Will Muschamp, he's had two chances to be a head coach in the SEC, and he's had losing records. You look at Orgeron. He hasn't. This is just a really rough year, I think, overall for the Tigers. And more importantly, it's just a rough year for when you lose literally your top two players in Jamar Chase and I forget the defensive lineman's name, and they opt out literally a week before the season begins. I mean, that's just that happens. But let's just pretend for a second and say that they do move on from Edward Orgeron in 2021. When this COVID process is over, when buyouts can become a little bit more affordable, you look at Joe Brady, and he is the hottest name. I think on offensive coordinator list as a next NFL head coach, as a potentially even getting a job at a smaller college this year, very similar rise to what we saw from uh, Lincoln Riley when he was at Eastern Carolina to then go to OU and eventually taking over the seniors program and what he's done for that program in the last couple of years in Norman. I, I mean, is that the first phone call you do make if you are LSU and the boosters trying to get a guy to come in?
1: Yeah I mean I think so I think that Joe Brady really came in and revolution uh, revolutionized this program especially last year um, when LSU did make that national championship run so I, I would say so but I think the future in general just for him is bright just because of all the success that he's had and uh, what he's he's been able to do and, and I would not be surprised if I saw him get a head coaching job in the NFL but he does he does know this this offense he does know Uh, how LSU works and I think that he would be a good fit in the case that Ogeron were to be gone but again I don't think that they should fire Ozron. I really don't anticipate that happening either
0: I don't either, but, you know, it's always fun to say. And then plus with Brady's knowledge of Louisiana, it really helps you win your state against these SEC schools. Chrissy Freud from LSU Tiger Wire joining us here on the podcast. And this episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Bill Bar. Now, you guys know the promo code about Bill Bar and how it's been, how they have 12 different flavors, plus their new six flavors, including Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Bakia, and Carrot Cake. These bars are more like candy bars than they are actually protein bars because they're soft and easy to chew and covered in 100% real chocolate. They're great for someone on the keto diet. They're great for the health conscious guy or girl looking to stay in shape because they're low in fiber, low in sugar, high, uh, high in fiber, low in sugar, low in calories, and low in carbs. You have 19 grams of protein in every single bar and under 5 grams of sugar. That's not a product you're gonna find anywhere else on the shelves. And when you use the promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com, you can save 25% off for this Black Friday deal. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On for 25% off your next order. Whatever you need to do to stay in shape, or at least have a delicious treat throughout your day, start it off right with Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, Dr. Watson, talking about things, Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. If you like quality podcasts or any of your favorite sports teams, if so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up and win your fantasy football league. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Chrissy Freud from LSU Wire, part of USA Today, joining the podcast today. Chrissy, let's just talk a little bit about LSU and Miles Brennan. This was the guy who was the heir apparent to Joe Burrow. I mean, and again, I think expectations were really high because of what Burrow did in this offense for Brennan to come in and immediately make an impact. He's hurt. He's likely done. You now have uh, the freshman coming in. Just what have you seen from T.J. Finley that has made him effective? And what was your overall take on Miles Brennan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was never entirely high on Miles Brennan. And I think that the bar was was set high just because of what Joe Burrow did. But it's it's not even looking at that. It's looking at the fact that he was supposed to be the starter when he came here, uh, got beat out when they brought in a grad transfer. I think the fact that they brought in a grad transfer alone um, says something. And I think that the fact that he – appeared to be just about beat out by Justin McMillan, in my personal opinion, just from watching those guys compete and watching the spring game, kind of shows you where he truly stands and how good he may actually be. I, I, thought, I thought, for lack of better words, he looked kind of like a lost puppy out there against uh, Mississippi State. He looks like a true freshman trying to transition into a new offense which shouldn't have been the case for him. I understand the growing pains. I understand how long he was on the bench, but I I don't, I don't. still don't think he should have looked quite that bad. I think that he throws the deep ball well. I think that he got better with accuracy, uh, got better with decision making as the season progressed, which is something that I was concerned about in the beginning. But look at the defenses that he went up against. I mean, you're, you're talking about teams like Mizzou, teams like Vanderbilt. I am not as much as everyone else wanted to look at the stat sheet, as much as everyone else seemed to want to go, oh, look at all this upward momentum that Miles Brennan is making. I don't necessarily agree because he's playing against inferior teams, which should have been cupcake opponents, one of which the LSU got beat by. Um, and I, I think one of the traits of a, of a quarterback should be to be able to lead a team to a win, to be that guy that kind of holds the glue together that can deliver whenever it comes down to the wire, which it did in the case of that Mizzou game. And is it all on Miles Britton? Absolutely not. But he was not able to do what he needed to do as a leader of that team to get the win over Mizzou. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I wasn't overly impressed with him. My thing was kind of before he got injured and before he was uh, – apparently he's going to be sidelined for the rest of the season from what I, I can see anyways. It looks very doubtful that he returns. I wanted to see him play against some solid competition – and to maintain that progress, that upward momentum through the remainder of the season, um, I don't. I don't think that you look at a quarterback over two games, over smaller opponents, and make the come to the conclusion that oh, he's good. And it seemed it seemed that I personally caught a lot of flack for saying that. And I'm really not quite sure why, because quite frankly, we just didn't see enough of what we needed to see from him. And so I, I can't. I still can't tell you what he is, just the same way that I couldn't tell you what he was. Um, ahead of the season, whenever he was projected to be the starter, which obviously he was. As for uh, TJ Finley, I've always thought that TJ Finley was better than Miles Brennan, and I've thought that he's been the strongest quarterback in this room that they currently have. Um, I will say that him and Max Johnson are pretty neck and neck. I've seen things from Max Johnson that I like as well, and Ed Ogeron has described them as both very similar, both guys that have NFL potential. Uh, but TJ Finley is experiencing the growing pains being a true freshman because he is and that is acceptable because he is a true freshman Um, but I I think he's gotten consistently better I think that that road test against Auburn uh, was was pretty humbling it does show us what a true freshman goes through even after he had that dominant performance over South Carolina but I mean I, I thought that he he redeemed himself in this last performance that it's only only up from here a very impressive passer I was very impressed with what he did at Poncho Two Lives, I worked with him um, as a high school recruit. I talked to his coaches. When he was a high school recruit, I've talked to his family, great family, great guy. Uh, everyone's just had a lot of great things to see about him. And I, I think this is an exciting, exciting prospect uh, to watch just as, as he goes on throughout the rest of the season. And I was actually with his quarterback trainer. Not too long ago, someone he had worked with in high school, we were talking about there's just some some funny little mannerisms and things that he does that he has to kind of snap out of because he actually played uh, basketball. So there's certain things that he'll do that are kind of like atypical of a quarterback every now and then. It's very small little nuances that you'll just notice from time to time. But just overall, I mean, I, I think that he's he's a good quarterback with a good future. And I think that he's shown us play just as a true freshman through a few games.
0: Look, again, I mean, anyone who's sitting here and saying that Miles Brennan in that short amount of time giving you slack, Joe Burrow was brought in because the guy could not get the passes down. He could not get the playbook down. That's all I needed to see to know he was not going to be a good quarterback. One player that has really progressed this past year, in my personal opinion, is Terrace Marshall Jr. And maybe it's because of Jamar Chase opting out. Justin Jefferson is no longer in the fold. Last year, he was really the number three or four option, depending on who you ask, in Joe Brady's system. He stepped up as the number one for both Finley and Brennan. Overall, looking at his stock and looking at what he's you know, going through, you and I both do a little bit of NFL draft coverage as well. Do you think that this is a, progr- a progressing year for him, at least in a down year for the overall program?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think he's been a standout player on that team. And I don't think anybody's really going to uh, argue you on that. I think that LSU had a more built wide receivers room than people realize that all of them were just so good to the point that you didn't see as much of Terrace Marshall last year. And I think that he's kind of been a player that's always been kind of sneaky good. And we've seen it uh, more this year because he's he's emerged into that top position. He's got a chance to really show everyone just out in the clear out in the open. Um, who he really is. And I think that the Aggies defense is really going to have to make sure that they keep him covered. Don't let him get away from you because that, that's the playmaker on this team. I think LSU has some very strong young running backs that all have a very bright future that made an impact last year, that made an that are making an impact this year as well. Um, but I, I think that's the guy that's your star for sure.
0: I would agree. I mean, between him and Stingley, those are the two you really have to look at. And let's get, so, talk a little bit about Stingley because of this was a guy who immediately made the Biggest impact, I think, for a young player in LSU history. And, and, of course, everyone calls this place DBU. He is living up to that name completely. I still think he is. He did not opt out. He's staying with the team. And this is a very young wide receiver quarter for the College Station boys. I mean, you really look at how they're built. Uh, you just lost Cam Brown. He's now transferring to UCLA. Every player underneath him was, is a sophomore or lower besides Hezekiah Jones Does this actually make it a little harder for Kellen Mond to pass the ball because of what Stingley can do specifically in press coverage and also in man?
1: Yeah, I think he's a really good cornerback, really good player just all around. I think that he showed a type of dominance that we see from very few players in general and certainly uh, very few true freshmen last year. uh, I think he's had some ups and downs, a little bit of struggles, some, some off days here and there. Um, this season that have kind of left us with some question marks every now and then but overall I mean he's been good he did have uh, he did have the injury recently but it it looks like he's going to bounce back and come back at full capacity uh, this weekend against Texas A&M and I think that he's poised to make an impact again and I think that he uh, he can absolutely take advantage of that young wide receiving core as you mentioned.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that when you look at what Stingley brings to this team, it, it at least continues to develop the name DBU. Chrissy Freud from LSU Wire joining us at part of the USA Today Network. When we come back, we'll be talking a little bit about Kellen Mond. We're going to talk about her quarterback rankings in the SEC and get her score prediction for Friday, Saturday's game. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and Spotify. Listen every single day at lockedonpodcast.com and follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and of course at Locked On Aggies. We got Chrissy Freud from LSU Wire, part of the USA Today Network. Chrissy, you are so talented when it comes to tracking QBs, and in the SEC. QB play is probably the most essential thing to be successful. You recently came out with your rankings. It, it, it kind of fluctuates every single week, but the one name that kind of just sits right in the middle, usually it's number four, is Kellen Mond. And I think that he was number four in your recent rankings of what you had. What have you seen from him this year In what had to have been a prove-it year to NFL scouts, to NFL, to NFL media, to NFL personnel? I am a guy who maybe isn't perfect, but I definitely can win games.
1: Yeah um, I I am gonna I haven't released this week's rankings I did release last week he was at number four he will be um, at number four again I don't think that he is uh, quite good enough to put him in the whole uh, Trask Corral uh, Jones top three conversation I'm not sure that he breaks into that this season but I, I mean he he is he is the veteran in some aspects over like you know guys like Corral guys like Nick's just from that experience standpoint as far as where he sits in my rankings uh generally speaking but I mean I Kellen Mond is a guy that I have kind of dogged throughout the years um I I, I think that that largely comes from the fact just because I mean he's got the confidence and he's not afraid to say things I, I think what was ahead of this season that he said that Texas A&M was going to take an LSU type of leap um but like what the Tigers did last year and this year and I was just like no absolutely not I, I I didn't believe it and I think that now they're kind of on the path to proving me wrong and Kellen Mond is now on the path to, to proving me wrong and I admit, I admit that it, it's kind of stung a little bit to keep moving him up in the rankings because I I didn't really anticipate that he would uh do much of anything super impressive this year and I think that at the beginning of the season there were some ball security issues and he was kind of doing the whole Kellen Mond thing that I had knocked him for initially but he has He's, he's progressed steadily this season. He's, he's become a guy that should be noticed. I think that he's fixed a lot of um, his mistakes. He's become a much more consistent guy. He's become more of a playmaker, uh, more accurate. Um, he's he's going to be a hard guy to stop, and Ed Ogeron did did mention that this week, and I, I think that he's definitely going to be a, a guy that can help propel this team to the college football playoff if they, if they are in, which they do look like they could get in as of now. Um, with the, re- the way the, re- the rest of the season looks – but yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's a guy that's made me my words. And I think that that he's really on a good path now. And I think he has a good game again on Saturday.
0: Uh, confidence is definitely not something he's ever been afraid of. Two years ago, before saying we're going to have an LSU rise, he said, I am the best quarterback in the SEC.
1: He yes. To
0: say, eh, um, next time, maybe oh, it be didn't, a good it did quarterback. It
1: didn't work out. It did not work out for him that year.
0: No. Um, oh, it was bad. It was I bad.
1: Yeah, it was very bad, um, and that kind of stoked the fire for me because, to me, just in my position that I'm currently in, there's nothing more annoying that irks me more than these guys with these uh, this big head and these big mouths that don't back up their talk, and that was my thing with Kellen Mond is he kind of just annoyed me just more and more because he kept making all these statements, and he would never back it up, and then when he said the LSU type leap, and I was like, okay no not gonna happen bud and he's finally for really the first time ever in my opinion is starting to really back that up and starting to really grow and become a guy that we talk about become a guy that we can take seriously
0: I agree uh, Chrissy just real fast we are in an SEC uh, media we're in SEC coverage is the winner of the SEC is the winner of the Heisman Trophy coming from the SEC
1: Yeah, I think so. I I think the guys like uh, Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond are definitely – sorry, not Kellen Mond. (laughs) Kyle Trask and Mac Jones are definitely uh, in that conversation. But I I think that we have another Heisman Trophy winner from the SEC again this year.
0: When you look at Texas A&M this year, do you think – who's the one player on offense that you really have to worry about?
1: Um. I mean, I, I personally look more at the quarterbacks than anyone else, so I'll go ahead and go with one of those guys, and I'll say uh, Kyle Trask or Mac Jones. Those two have gone back and forth between the number one and number two spot in my rankings.
0: I, I Again, I agree. I think that those are the top two names. But before we let you go, and before we get to our final question of the day, you look at A&M, you look at Florida, you look at BYU, you look at Cincinnati. All of them have a very good shot and a very good meaning to actually have potential to – Possibly go to the college football playoff. Resume alone, who's the one that deserves to go to the playoff if the season were to end today?
1: Sorry, can you repeat the two teams? I missed. Now, that It I've was uh, that.
0: Cincinnati, Florida, LSU, Texas A&M. If you could,
1: who are the two teams? Probably Florida and Texas A&M. Um, I, I I can't I can't take LSU seriously this year, and uh, C- Cincinnati I don't have a firm enough base on to really form a, a really strong opinion on them as of right now, but I, I do, I do believe in what Florida has done and I absolutely do believe in what uh, Texas A&M has put together this year. uh, Something I didn't really necessarily expect to see.
0: I, uh, again, listen, BYU to me is a team. I love them. I love the storyline. I love what they are. They're not it. I mean, as much as you want to say that Zach Wilson is something it's not, Christy, before we go, give me your overall thoughts on tomorrow's game. I mean, it, it really is more of a game for a and than it is for, I would say, uh, LSU. But is this going to be at least a close game?
1: Um, I would say that Texas a and wins it by two touchdowns, perhaps at least two touchdowns, if I'm being quite honest with you. Um, it, it's, it's kind of sad, really, just to, to watch the depreciation of this of this anticipated matchup between what we thought it could be um, looking from last year um, over to this year now. But I, I think that a is just going to be a little too strong offensively and that LSU is simply not put together enough on either side of the ball to, to, to be strong enough to defeat this team. So I, I would say if I had to make a final score prediction right now, um, we'll go 34, 20. Um,
0: 3420 Texas a stays alive another week in the college football realm. Chrissy, let the good people of Locked On Aggies know where they can find you, find your work, and always make sure to follow you.
1: Yeah, so I do a lot of freelancing, pretty much everywhere. I do high school sports for the Advocate from time to time here in Baton Rouge. Um, I cover LSU and the Tennessee Titans for USA Today Sports Media Group, and then. I've done a lot of different things for Pro Football Network, but right now we're mostly just focusing on the women in sports aspect.
0: Again, Chrissy Freud from USA Today. Make sure you also follow her at Pro Football Network. Ladies and gentlemen, my score prediction for this game I know it's going to be a little closer than probably Chrissy's, but I'm actually going to go 31-27. Texas A&M gets the four-point win. They move on for another week. That's going to over this week on Lockdown Aggies. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and Spotify. Follow us every single day at Locked on Aggies. Matt, and Mr. Cole Thompson, we will see you on Monday. Remember, big and you all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the
1: Locked on Podcast Network.